Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. WQAD Podcast Network. The Cities with Jim Mertens, a production of WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region, a podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens. I'm Jim Mertens, and this is the Cities Podcast. It's an argument heard every four years. No, not the one about the Electoral College, but the one about the elimination of the Iowa caucus. National Democrats are wringing their hands once again about the best process to select a presidential nominee. And what role should little New Hampshire and rural Iowa play in the grand scheme of things? The decision is expected this summer. But the scars of two years ago are still apparent. The 2020 Iowa caucuses, where there was trouble verifying reports from precincts around the state and attempts to hack and hijack some caucus reports, proved that holding a statewide first-in-the-nation test of presidential hopefuls is not an easy task. We talked with the co-author of the book, The Iowa Precinct Caucuses, The Making of a Media Event, Drake University political science professor Dr. Dennis Goldford, about the worth of the caucuses in the Hawkeye State. So was 2020 really as bad as the national pundits say? Yes, it was. We have to remember that the caucuses did not assume their position because people on the Democratic side and to some extent the Republican side sat down decades ago and said, gee, what's the most effective procedure we have for the presidential nomination process and who should start? And oh my gosh, Iowa fulfills the criteria. Let's start with Iowa. That's not how it started. It was purely a historical accident, uh, all going back to Jimmy Carter. None of the other states like the fact that Iowa has gone first. So every four years, they come gunning for Iowa's position, especially on the Democratic side. Iowa has to defend that position every four years. 2020 just made it much worse than it really had ever been in the past. And 2020 was really because of technology in so many different ways. I mean, they were using an app system that didn't seem to work very well. There were also people who were trying to hack in, and there was a number of uh, nefarious phone calls that were made to local precincts. I mean, it was a tough year technologically uh, for, for this vote to be counted. Yes, but again, technology was a side issue. I mean, it was major. It caused everything to follow up. But in terms of the contested nature of the caucuses among uh, all the other states and their nomination events, primaries and caucuses and such, um, the technology issue just followed things up in 2020. But even if it had worked perfectly, uh, there still would have been complaints from all the other states. Well, and if you're going to talk about complaints, I mean, you look at the very top. Um, when you have an incumbent president in 2024, if Joe Biden does indeed decide to uh, run, I mean, let's, the, look, to be honest, for Iowa, the best friend was Barack Obama, who did well in Iowa and would always say, oh, yeah, Iowa really, you know, put my campaign forward. Joe Biden can't say that, so I can't believe that he would be a big defender of the Iowa caucus. 
Right. He may be fairly mixed on that. And typically, if there is an incumbent president and there's not a significant challenge to that incumbent, uh, the caucuses really aren't a major deal for presidential terms. Of course, uh, we uh, use caucuses for other party building reasons as well here in the state of Iowa. But yes, the caucuses in 2008 showed that Barack Obama had a realistic chance of winning. And that made a lot of people take another look at him beyond Iowa. So it was very significant for uh, then-Senator Barack Obama. But that may have been the exception that proves the rule, at least going back to Jimmy Carter. Well, and it's interesting because the uh, Iowa political directors, the, the head of the Democratic Party of the state and the Republican part of the state, really do point out, okay, Barack Obama... Uh, was a minority, uh, and he won. Uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg won, and, and, and it was the first uh, gay candidate uh, to do so well, and that was in Iowa. And then on the Republican side, you have Ted Cruz who won, so it shows that you can have Hispanic strength in Iowa. I mean, is that an argument that, that holds water? Well, a little bit. I mean, remember, in Iowa, with the caucuses on both sides, uh, every candidate runs against exactly the same opponent, and that opponent's name is expected. Did you do better than expected, or did you do worse than expected? So you could come in second, but if you did significantly better than you were expected to do, you can indeed overshadow whoever it is that comes in first. The Iowa Democratic Party and the Iowa Republican Party can't agree on whether the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. The one thing they do agree upon is, for their purposes, the importance of the Iowa caucuses. Uh, but again, that role that the caucuses play is always precarious in terms of uh, Democratic strategizing anyway. Well, and plus, being first in the nation, the buildup is bigger than any other state, and, and, and thereby you get these great expectations. Uh, but but the, the parties also argue that you also have this carve-out uh, state mentality where you have four different states, uh, South Carolina, uh, predominantly uh, African-American, uh, Nevada, which has a large Hispanic population, and then you have uh, New Hampshire and Iowa as your four big, big states, that it seems fairer that way. I mean, is that... That's what a lot of people have hung their hats on. Is that accurate? To some extent, but remember that the additional states, South Carolina and Nevada, came late to the party, so to speak. In other words, you had Iowa and New Hampshire. And with all the complaints about these very small, fairly rural, unrepresentative states, they wanted something else, particularly on the Democratic side. So to suggest that, well, Iowa fits with these other three is a sort of backwards-looking justification for the caucuses. But isn't it important to have a Midwest voice inside of this? I mean, isn't that another why, another reason why uh, Iowa is, is kind of selected? Well, you can make that argument, but again, that's not why Iowa assumed the position it did in 1976 and 1980. Uh, uh, again, that was just the circumstances of the time. And if you want a Midwestern voice, you could easily pick a bigger state like Wisconsin or Minnesota uh, and make it a primary. So there's nothing unique to Iowa. I mean, it's great. We get all this attention from candidates, from people all over the country, uh, people reporting from all over the world. There's no question about that. But the, the caucuses serve to try to reveal unexpected strengths 
and unexpected weaknesses among candidates in both parties. And to the extent that the caucuses do that with as little downside as possible, like what happened in 2020, perhaps they'll remain in some sort of position analogous to the one they're in now. But uh, as I've said, you got to defend this position of the caucuses every four year and 2020 just made that even more difficult on the Democratic side for 2024. And isn't it getting more difficult to defend caucuses in, the, in, in, an, in and of themselves? I mean, primaries are replacing them in, in many states. Well, remember, the caucuses were existed in Iowa for a century now, and it was really only in, in 72 and 76 that basically uh, uh, caucus officials said, really in 72, uh, by the way, while we're here, whom do you prefer for president? So they just got sort of piggybacked onto Iowa party building processes. Remember, they, they, they take positions, at least on the Democratic side, with regard to issues and planks they want to go in the state party platform. And they select delegates to the next tier of the county level conventions that occur about a month after the caucuses. So the presidential aspect was a kind of late add on. Uh, but they've, they've sort of swallowed up the, uh, the, the, the main business of the caucuses, which would remain even if there wasn't a presidential connection. 176,000 Democrats took part in, in 2020. That, is that a relatively large number or is that once again, it, it, it's, a, it's a small group of people making a very big decision? Well, it's a relatively small number. Um, I'm trying to recall, I think in 2008, you actually had 40% of eligible Democratic voters participate, which was large. But I'm typically for, caucus, for primaries around the country uh, over the past several decades, you get only about a 20% participation rate in either party. And because caucuses are different, remember with a primary, you go vote at a time of your choosing over a 12 or 14 hour period. Caucuses, you have to be there on a Monday night at seven o'clock. You hope the babysitter shows up. You hope there's no blizzard. You hope the car starts. They're tougher to participate in. So you've historically had a lower turnout for caucuses. But again, you get the most intensely interested and activist members of both parties. Uh, and there's something to be said for that. What do you think will happen if Iowa loses its first in the nation status? What, what does that do to the state? Well, I know the hoteliers and the restaurateurs will be very upset because of all the people who won't be coming to Iowa and spending a night and having dinner and breakfast and lunch. So that's always an issue, although a lot of folks from out of state want to reduce it purely to financial uh, matters. And I don't think it's simply that. There's, there is that, but it's more than that. But again, Iowa, I think, would likely become at that point a flyover state if the caucuses didn't uh, have that role. But remember, again, even with the caucuses, we're the center of the political universe through caucus night. And by the next night, certainly uh, uh, often by the next morning, we disappear into a political black hole for the next two years. So uh, the caucus night, caucus day, caucus night are Iowa's moment in the spotlight, but that spotlight turns off the next morning for another two or four years. Drake University political science professor, Dr. Dennis Goldford. Thanks for listening to The Cities with Jim Mertens and watch The Cities Thursday nights at 7, Sunday afternoon at 4, and Monday night at 6 on WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region. WQAD Podcast Network.